Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church, and we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today. Amen. Find with me Esther chapter 7 that's on your listening sheet. We're going to read this aloud together. Though we won't read as well as their children did, we will do our best. So find Esther chapter 7 verses 6 through 7 and we're going to read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. Esther said, a foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and the queen. The king arose in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden, but Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Esther chapter 7 is one of those chapters that you would expect to be an end. As you come to Esther chapter 7, and as chapter 7 is completed, all the questions have been answered. In, in Esther chapter 7, all the difficulties have been conquered. The foe who stands against God's people, has been vanquished. Chapter 7 would be an excellent end. Chapter 7 would be where most of us would end the story. Relief has found its place. The Israelites, the children of God, now have rest on every side. But I want you to note there is something special and intentional that happens after Esther chapter 7. You see, the last couple of chapters, when we get to chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10, those final three chapters serve as the perfect example for us right now, this morning. See, as you read through Esther, you get once again another account of the children of God who have been pushed into exile. The children of God are no longer at home and haven't been able to be at home because of a conquering nation. At this point, it is the Persians who have driven them out. They've been driven out by the Assyrians. They've been driven out by the Babylonians. And now the Persians have driven them out. And the people of God, the children, are in exile away from their homes, longing for that which they once had. And here, in this painful distance, Israel find them, finds themselves in the sights of Haman. Haman wasn't the Persian ruler, but he's one of the Persian ruler's officials who wants all the Jewish people killed because a man named Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. He says, look at me, I am a I'm an official under the rule of the Persians and everybody should bow down to me. And when Mordecai doesn't do that, his pride swells up and in him he comes up 
with this idea that he will annihilate every Jewish person because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him, a Persian. And I want you to notice this in the story of the Bible. As we flip through the pages of the Old Testament, as we come into the pages of the New Testament, the story and promise remains the same, that it doesn't matter where you find God's people, the hand of God is with them, that God does not forget His children. It doesn't matter if they've been pushed into exile thousands of miles away from their home. The hand of God is with them. God does not forget His children. It doesn't matter how low they are. It doesn't matter how far they have gone. The children of God remain on the heart of God, and He will protect them and take care of them. He is going to be their deliverer. He is going to be our deliverer always. This is what you see in, in the story of Esther, that God uses her as she comes into her queenship to deliver His people from Haman. You see, this, this is the whole story. We, we heard it from the children's sermon. You hear it now. This is the story from Esther chapters 1 through 7. And what is beautiful for us this morning and what we recognize together, that when God delivers, His people celebrate. When the hand of God comes down and reveals His power, His authority, and His glory, the people of God then are called to celebrate. Celebration is a work of the church. Celebration is a primary part of who we are together in this place. You know, there are some outside of these walls who portray the church as a stuffy organization that comes together and entrenches themselves in battles over behavior. You know, that's how most people outside of the church see the church. Entrenched folks who are worried about my behavior. And there's good reason why they think that. There are churches out there who believe their sole responsibility is to write the rules. But that's not who we are in Christ, because Christ has already written the rules. Our, our God has already set the standard. There is no more standard that needs to be written. There are no more rules that need to be set because those were set in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We see it fulfilled and written out in the pages of the Scripture. You see, we in the church function as a celebratory body. We, we celebrate together the work that has already been done. Everything that needs to happen has happened in the person of Jesus Christ, and so we celebrate. The, the work has been done. The church is called together to celebrate the glory of God and His goodness because He has delivered us from sin and from death. You see, we don't, we don't function to create a future. We, we don't function to create specific behaviors for days ahead. That's not our role. That's, that's God's role. God does all of those things as He writes them on the hearts and minds of man. This is a part of the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon the church. We function then as a beloved people of God. We function as a celebratory body, a people that have been delivered from the peril of this earth, people who have delivered, who've been delivered from sin and death, and we celebrate His goodness and the work that He has done for us so that we might be saved. This is a celebratory morning and a celebratory body. 
You see, in Esther's day, they, they were able to see the hand of God delivering him through her. And they celebrated together. They filled the streets in joy. Everyone, every child of God, all, all across the empire, all across the, 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 the Persian way, they celebrated. And I want you to, to recognize in this, it turned into something more. We, we can picture this as a sort of championship parade going down the San Antonio River. Or we can picture this as a championship parade with cars honking and flashing their lights going down the interstate. But, but that's not what we're talking about here because those things have an end to them. In a day or two, it's over and they're cleaning up the celebration from the streets. But this, what Israel did, was something more. Mordecai in chapter 9 says, we are going to have a new holiday. We're, we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate a new holiday that God has delivered us. We aren't going to just celebrate for one day. We are going to celebrate for eternity. In Esther 9, you, you see this institution of a new holiday, the Feast of Purim, so that all people everywhere might remember how God loved and delivered His children, so that all people everywhere might celebrate the deliverance of God how the hand of God moves and works on this earth, that God does everything that we need, and so we celebrate. See, this, this moves us all the way back to somewhere around 480 B.C. when this begins to happen among the Israelites. And we hear from there, all the way back from 480 B.C., Mordecai shouting through the generations, our God delivered us. Our God saved us. Let us celebrate. You know, Israel came by this holiday honestly because this is a part of who they were. As the people of God, they were called to celebrate. Even in exile, they were called to celebrate. The, the people of God were, were called together to, to feasts. The, the people of God were called together to, to remembrance. This was something that's written onto the hearts of the people of God. When you are welcomed into the family of God and you become a part of that family where you are an heir of the Christ, it just so happens, as it did in the nation of Israel, that God writes celebration onto your hearts. God writes celebration into your life. And when the church gathers, it is a celebratory body looking up to God and saying, praise Him. He has delivered us time and time again. Now, in ancient Israel, there were three holidays that they were called together to celebrate. And they were called together three times a year to say, let us remember how God has delivered. And when they came, came together to say, let us remember how God has delivered, then we celebrate. And three times a year, they came together and they celebrated everything that God had done in their history for the people of God. One of those holidays is celebrated right now. It was the Feast of the Harvest. It was also known as Pentecost. Pentecost came 50 days after Passover. Right? Passover was the time they celebrated coming out of Egypt when they were delivered out of slavery in Egypt. And they came from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land by way of a Passover where the angel of death passed over their homes because the blood was on the doorpost. And so they celebrated together. They said, God delivered us from them. And so we celebrate Fifty days after that, they came back together and they celebrated God's goodness in the barley harvest. And over time, it came to be the celebration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai 
where God would write down on the tablets from Moses, this is my law which shall stand. And so this time of year, they would, they would celebrate this together. All this was prescribed way back in Exodus, the, the second book of the, the, the Bible, that everyone would come and celebrate the goodness of God's provision in the barley harvest and in His law. You see, we as the children of God, we need constant reminders. We, we lose our sense of celebration when we step out into the world. When, when we leave these times of feasts and celebration, and, and we get out into the grind of this world, a, as daily life begins to, to chew us up and, and, and grind us up, we lose that heart of celebration. And in this world, when we begin to lose that heart of celebration, God calls us back and He says, come back in. Come, come back in, church, and let's look up and celebrate together every good thing that I have done for my children. So three times a year, God would call them back. Soul of my children, come home and let's celebrate. I know you're weak. I know you're tired. I know you're beaten up. And God said, come home because I want to remind you of how much I love you. I know this world hates you. And every step you take out there, you, you see how this world hates you. But I'm your heavenly father and I want you to come home. And I'm going to wrap my arms around you. And I'm going to remind you of how much I love you. Pentecost was one of those times. God called his kids together and told them all at once, you're my children. I love you deeply still. You know, it's interesting. That is a significant part of the Old Testament story of the Israelites and how God had written celebration onto their hearts. But this doesn't remain in the Old Testament. We, we, say, we see this same spirit of celebration written onto the hearts of New Testament Christians and believers. You, you see, Jesus Himself, as He assumes this, when He approaches the cross, it's at the celebration of the Passover where God provided for His children a way out of death by the blood of the Lamb. And so you see this as, as the nation of Israel is celebrating, Jesus is weeping. Jesus is walking towards the cross so that that celebration would burst out of the Old Testament and onto the new, so that that celebration would move out of Israel onto this church and onto every church across the globe this morning that, that we would celebrate together the goodness of God in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You see, that coincides with our celebration of Easter where we celebrate Easter together, this work of the Christ at the cross. But soon after that, right, we see the, the resurrection of Jesus, and, and as He's heading towards His ascension, He tells His followers, the children of God, when I go away, I'm going to send you a helper, a spirit that will be on you. And the disciples were then coming back and, and celebrating Pentecost, and as they were celebrating this Old Testament holiday, that Old Testament holiday of Pentecost was then brought forth. As if, it was as if it was picked up out of the Old Testament and it was set down into the New Testament for the children of God to say, we will celebrate Pentecost because that is the day the Holy Spirit came down. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down upon God's people as they were gathered together for Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2. 
It was so that the church could live and work in the power of God's Spirit. In Acts 2, what you see is this wind rushes through their worship, and and this miracle of, of hearing comes on the people. Now, remember, we're at one of the ancient Jewish festivals, and there are people there from all over who spoke many different languages. And it says, as they're gathered together in their many different languages, all the people are declaring the mighty deeds of God. They're looking back and proclaiming every good thing God had done in their history. They're they're declaring the goodness of the deliverance out of slavery in Egypt. They're declaring the goodness, how God brought them out of Babylon and out of Persia, how, how God was the one who delivered them time and time again. And as they're telling these mighty deeds of God, it said it didn't matter which language was being spoken, everybody heard it in their native tongue. Everybody heard of these wonderful deeds of God, and and it was as if this power of God, the authority of God and the Holy Spirit was moving out of the Old Testament and into the New. It was the, the Jewish nation then blessing the Gentiles and everybody else across the globe that the stories of God began to be shared in many languages and begin to spread rapidly across the globe because of the power of the Holy Spirit coming down upon the church of God, where we will tell of these mighty deeds over and over again so that many may be saved. The text then in Acts 2 says, says they go on that day and they have many baptisms. It says 3,000 people were added to them that day. It, it was this powerful moment and movement of God happening right in their midst as they celebrated Pentecost together. This ancient Jewish holiday became this vibrant new Christian experience in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so they celebrated. This wasn't any work that they had done. This, This wasn't anything that was of them or out of their own strength. This wasn't anything they could conjure up on their own. There there was no way for them to, to do this in their own effort. But God in his promise said, I will give. I will give you my spirit and it will come upon you mightily and you will see many mighty deeds happen in my name by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they celebrate it. This is what we're doing together today. We are a celebratory body coming together to praise God for all of the mighty deeds that he has already done. See, we've we've come to to celebrate these powerful acts of God through history, how God moved in the exodus, the return from the exile, the the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Today is a day for us to celebrate together all these good things that God has done. This is one of those times where God called His children together. He says, you are my children, and I want to remind you of how much I love you. See, as we gather today, see, recognize today is not about tomorrow. When we, when we gather together, one of the things is, is we, we are troubled with is we always want to look ahead. And the problems of tomorrow or the problems of next week always creep into our hearts and to our minds. But we will leave those to the Holy Spirit. Today is not about them. Today is about today. Today is about celebrating all that God has done. 
for his people. Now, unfortunately, I know that can sound as though we're, we're living in a past, but, but it's not as if we're, we're stuck in, in a past. This isn't about living in the past, but this is about how the history that our God has written affects us today, right now as we worship. And the history that God has written for his children means that today as we gather, we are to celebrate that our God has been good to us and we're gonna praise his holy name because he has constantly been good. He has constantly been a deliverer. He has constantly been a redeemer. He has been our salvation and so we celebrate. We know this, that even if God never does another thing for us, if God doesn't act ever again, we will continue to celebrate. Because all that needed to happen, everything he could do for us, happened at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he sent his son down to the cross, he gave us everything that we needed in His Son. And in that crucifixion, He gave us everything we needed for life and the forgiveness for our sins. And if God never does another thing for us ever again, we will celebrate who He is because that is what we needed. You see, you don't have to do anything else. One of the things that happens when we get together, when we get together as a church is we think we've got to do more or we think there's something else that has to happen. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Everything was done and finished at the cross. And so we celebrate. This is a celebratory body. Our work this morning is to trust the Spirit and to sing out. Our, our work this morning is to remember how much our God loves us and to celebrate. You see, God's done enough by sending His Spirit upon the church for our redemption. You, we, me, us, this church, the children of God, we have been provided for. And today, we celebrate. I want you to hear me here. Today has very little to do with us. Today is about who our God is. What we recognize even as we gather today, Pentecost hasn't been much of a Christian celebration. For most churches, Pentecost was left in Israel. See, most churches never get to a Pentecost celebration. We celebrate Easter well, which is good, because we know what Christ did there. But then, post-Easter, we like to look ahead to school being out for summer. But there's this hidden holiday before summer that we can no longer neglect. The Spirit of God has come. And the Spirit of God has come to remind you that as a child of God, you are dearly loved. And children of God, everything has been taken care of. Will you walk with Jesus in that way today? There's nothing more to be done than to celebrate. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we love you. And we pray that your spirit would move in a way of celebration today. And that this would be a celebratory body of the goodness of God. 
of every time and every way you've delivered us from exile, from slavery, from sin, from temptation, from death. In every way you have delivered us, Lord, we remember and we celebrate. May your spirit be upon us. May your gospel be written on our hearts and that we will walk the way of Jesus Christ this morning. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the risen one, we pray. Amen.